Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, April 21st. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, joined by two of my sisters. Julie Dolan, you're in Dallas, Texas. How are you? I'm okay, Liz. Glad to be with you. And Leon Tolan in Pasadena, California. How are you doing out there? Liz, I'm, I'm recovering. It's still yes. recovering from some health stuff and other stuff, but happy right. to be here. Right. And I would like both of you, for the purposes of today's show, to just refer to me as uh, Special Agent in Charge Dolan. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> that is... Why is that, Liz? Without being too flip about it, that is my new favorite job title. You know, obviously, it was a hugely emotional week. It started on Monday with the bombing of the Boston Marathon, and which was just the most shocking, awful kind of crime as a family, we have attended the Boston Marathon because, for those of you who are not New Englanders, Patriots Day actually celebrates the Battle of Lexington and Concord, which my parents thought was very important for us to understand. And I believe it was the actual bicentennial year that the family en masse, extended cousins and everyone, attended the recreation of the Battle of Lexington and Concord, followed by the traditional pancake breakfast, followed by viewing the marathon. Correct, sisters? Yes. One of the hottest marathons on record. Do you remember? It was like 95 degrees that day. So, yeah. So I remember because I was wearing denim and that was a poor choice. <laughs> no, you know, I was out of the country that year. And I re- but, but I feel like I was there because you have complained about the heat from that one day at that one event uh, for the last 25 years. So yeah. I really feel like I was at the battle at the marathon. So carry on, Liz, with the story. So the Patriots Day is a big deal and very meaningful. The Boston Marathon is a big deal and very meaningful. And can I just say, like, the, that kind of a crime... As I've actually finished a couple of marathons, not to make this about me, but I just, that feeling of crossing a marathon finish line, that feeling of like joy and elation and, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. That is such an unbelievably fantastic, positive feeling that it's almost impossible for me to imagine what it'd be like to have that feeling one second and then the next second be scrambling for your life. And the, just the, the added brutality to me, I was thinking so much Monday night that it was like a bunch of runners getting their legs blown off. It yeah. just, it's, there is something really deep about that. I, I'm still just incredibly sad thinking about obviously the runners and the bystanders there. I mean, you guys have stood on plenty of like marathon sidelines and cheered runners go by. Right. It's so much fun, isn't it? It's very, you, yeah. You may be elated when you cross the finish line, but there's a tremendous feeling of elation for the families too. And they were all, that's what got me. It was was like brothers getting hurt and obviously mothers and children getting hurt because they were cheering on their family members. So it was multiple members of the same family with these horrible, 
unspeakable injuries. That really got to me. Right. Right. Yeah, so really got to me. So we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about this at the beginning of the show, but do not despair. Then we're going to switch gears totally and go to some ultra fun material about things we have coming up in our lives, including Leon's new book and a few other things. So there's, we're going to end on a high note. Okay, people. Right. So obviously it's been an emotional coaster, emotional roller coaster all week. This show will also be an emotional roller coaster. So, so then like Monday you have the awful crime and then the police work kicks in and it was kind of unbelievable how quickly the pieces started to come together. And then when the FBI, the special agent in charge released the photos of the two suspects, it just like and then the, the speed at which things escalated, it was, it was exhausting and captivating and really just like, I don't think I've, we've experienced a news event nationally like that in a long time. But Julie, I was thinking so much about you on Thursday and Friday as the details of these boys' lives came out and then we saw their parents on the news. I mean, you lived in Russia for a long time. You're familiar with, your, your daughter-in-law is from Kyrgyzstan. When Kyrgyzstan. I, when I, Liz, when I heard but they were Chechen. I was like, Chechen? Chechen? Right. That's all. I, I could not believe it. But then immediately I, I remembered, because I was in Moscow. We lived in Moscow from 2001 to 2006. So we were there when the Chechen terrorists came to Moscow and first, you know, that 40 of them took over a theater um, that resulted in the deaths of about 200 people. And then a couple of years later, the Bestland School Crisis. I you remember know? that. They they took hostage, the um, t- uh, uh, Chechen terrorists took hostage over a thousand people, and most of them were children, and 380 children died in that event. But I was also in Moscow when they had the Chechen female bombers. These were, that were, they were sent to blow up planes, which they did, and they blew up station, you know, people and killed people in the metro. So it was, it was something that was, you know, very present in my mind when, um, you know, that Chechen terrorists, that was something you had to deal with when you lived in Moscow. So when but I, these kids don't seem anything like that. I well, mean, let's see, Liz, this is, this is, I mean, first of all, my, when I heard that they were Chechen, I was like, okay, think about where they, these, these terrorists, where they put the bomb. They didn't bomb a federal building. They didn't bomb a police station or an army depot or, you know, or some statue, they went after families. And I believe it's because of their Chechen heritage that they did this. Because one thing that I learned about living in Moscow was the tremendous atrocities that the ethnic Chechens faced by the Russians. They had two wars where the Chechen Republic, which is mainly Muslim, was trying to separate from Russia. And the Russian soldiers fought two wars there. And the stories, the accounts that have come out from journalists about that Russian soldiers would go into Chechen homes and they would rape the mother and the daughter in front of the fathers and then kill, you know, kill, kill the family. Or that they would go in and they would, you know, take young male babies away from their mother. Others, you know, so they, you know, they have faced tremendous um, brutality. They have, you know, they have faced tremendous uh, discrimination too. I mean, you, you know, living in Moscow, people were openly talked 
you know, no matter what level of education, they talk, you know, with a great deal of hostility, at a minimum disdain for Chechens or people from the Caucasus, as they refer to, which would also include the area of Dagestan. But I had my, my daughter-in-law um, grew up in Kyrgyzstan, which is where um, the, the Sarnayev brothers were born. And how that my daughter-in-law and the, and the Sarnayev brothers got there is, two, you know, is the same story, but for two different reasons. My daughter-in-law Vera's family had German relatives. So after World War II, Stalin, because, of, you know, because they had just fought World War II, anyone with a connection to Germany was sent into exile. So Vera's grandparents were sent to Kyrgyzstan in exile. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's how they got there. I mean, because Vera is Russian, but she, her family, because they because she had a German uncle, they sent the, her whole family to Kyrgyzstan. And that's exactly these guys. And they didn't even have it as good because they were Muslim. They were that was the lowest of the low when they were in Kyrgyzstan. So it's it's quite clear that they. I'm sure. You know, even as young boys or, you know, teenage boys faced discrimination, faced evil, faced hostility, and probably were well aware of that. So I wasn't surprised when I heard that their background was Chechen, and it seemed to make great sense to me that their target was, you know, was so personal. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of, that's the kind of hatred that they have faced, very personal hatred. Huh. And secondly, when I heard the mother and father, and the first the first thing that that father said was, oh, it's a setup. It was a right. setup. Right, that seems so fishy to me. Like, the parents' reaction, both the mother and the father, was completely devoid of, like, emotion in the sense that they didn't seem sorry, A, that their son was dead, or B, that, you know, those innocent people had been killed. It was a very fishy reaction to me. I thought, there is more to this story. No, but see, I thought immediately when I, of I said, of course, that's what they're going to say, because they're Chechen, and they have lived in, in Dagestan, Kyrgyzstan. They've been in, in areas of the world where the police are corrupt, and yeah. where, the, you know, where the FSB are the equivalent of the FBI. They are, they are corrupt, and they would set people up, and they're, you know, that there was no justice. There wasn't, they didn't have laws, you know, Chechens weren't protected by laws. So when they see this story and the fact that their sons were killed in a shootout by government officials, it was, you know, you know, that, that's, that's the, a natural reaction because they're used to that kind of corruption. They don't, you know, they don't have the same experience we do where, you know, the FBI are the good guys or, you know, the police are, were the good guys, the firefighters. But so I, I thought that was, you know, I wasn't surprised when I heard they, them say that, um, you know. But uh, I suppose everyone's surprise is that these kids, well, particularly the young, the 19-year-old who's in custody now, that he could have been here like, most of his formative years and still have this sort of um, anger and hatred of American people. It just, I know, it's just like Americans believe that once you get here and get to know us, you're going to get to love us because we're so Liz, lovable. Liz, I have one word. The God, I have two words. The Godfather. You saw the movie. Yes. What, uh, what, Al Pacino. He went yes. to Sicily and got in touch with his inner Sicilian, right? And I think that's that's what you saw here. These guys did not assimilate, okay, and that they, you know, perhaps attributed 
all the hatred and brutality that they had faced as a family for generations, for generations. Um, you know, it wasn't directed only at Russia. They came to the U.S. and they felt maybe they felt it was just the same. And so, I, you know, I do think that they were, you know, they were young men. I got upset when they kept calling them boys because... Right, right. You know, the, the older brother is 26 now, feel, right? And a married and a father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They really were were men, They, you know, and that... You know that their influence, is, I think, goes goes deep, goes deep into their Chechen heritage, and and just they have lived their whole life in a sort of displaced way. I mean, it wasn't like they were welcome in Kyrgyzstan, and I'm sure when they got to Dagestan, it wasn't any better. I mean, that's you know that's again, it's an area where where they face great hostility, hatred, and discrimination. So, okay, can I just make this one confession? I had never heard of Dagestan. No, I, really? I've heard of Kyrgyzstan because uh, Vera is from there, and I know that your son and daughter-in-law, they go there summers on vacation, and I probably would have heard of it anyway. But Dagestan, to me, was a, was a whole new name. Okay, well, see, that's uh, – and it's not the Czech Republic. I understand on Twitter that there was a little confusion between Chechens being from the Czech Republic. No, <laughs> And that, okay, well, that is embarrassing. That's Twitter. That's Twitter. That they, they were uh, from the Caucasus. It didn't mean that they were Caucasian. That was that's that was another Twitter like you know newsflash. They're the ultimate Caucasians. I know. I, 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 I was spending a lot of time on Twitter though, following this. I found the, the just the all the elements of this drama like so compelling. It was really. I know I'm not the only one that had trouble getting any work done this week because it was just uh, there were so many details that unfolded so quickly. It was really, really dramatic. I even started following the Boston Globe on Twitter because the local Boston reporters really seemed to know what was going. I, maybe it was just I was getting so disgusted it was some of the national news people that I decided, okay, the people from the Globe seem to really be on the ground and know what's happening. Yes. There was some horrific reporting this week. We don't have to spend a lot of time no, on that. Right. I was, unfortunately, because I'm still not feeling great, I was just laying low and spending a lot of time in front of the TV. Okay, just a lot. It's been a long time since I've watched, like, 12 hours of TV news. And so I watched the entire, like, John King reporting the suspects that in custody, which was not true at all. I watched that all happen in real time. It was painful. And then when they, the night of the shootout, I happened to wake up at 3 a.m. my time and turn on CNN. And that was it. I was on the couch for 16 hours. But I think it's because we so rarely get to see this sort of crime solved right. in 72 hours. Right. I mean, to go from the horror of Monday to the, uh, you know, elation of capturing the guy who did it Friday night, that is astonishing speed. Right. And even on Friday night when they announced, like, okay, you know, you can come out with the guy seems to have eluded us, but please stay alert. So you think, like, okay, all right, this could go on for a really long time. And then moments later, all of a sudden, the whole thing gears up again. It was just one shocking development after another. It, it made me think a lot about having been in New York City on 9-11 in 2001. Like, there was something about the weeks and months that stretched out after that bombing on that Tuesday where you just 
for a long time, you had the feeling something else could happen any second. Like something out there is something. Yeah. There, the next shoe is about to drop. The next building is about to blow up. The, you know, and remember when that plane crashed off Queens a month later? Oh, that right. You just had the feeling that that was uh, connected in some way, and how different that experience would have been for New Yorkers if, like, at the end of the week or the end of the month or even the end of the year, somebody had hauled. Osama bin Laden's ass into court and charged him <laughs> right. with something, you know? And the fact that that took 10 years, ten so just years. such a totally different kind of experience than what, than what Boston and the country could experience over the past, you know, seven days. Really amazing. You know, it made me think being a Californian of like earthquake and aftershocks. That's what I thought of this week. Like the earthquake is bad enough. The earthquake Monday of the bombing was bad enough. But if you've ever lived through a big earthquake, then, you know, it's the aftershocks that really get your nerves. And I, and that's what I was thinking. Like Bostonians are experiencing sort of emotional aftershocks of this. Like at any minute, something else could go off. And I think that shelter in place, even though it lasted, you know, about 18 hours, I think that's going to be something that a lot of Bostonians do not forget because that must have been a really terrifying experience when you heard on the news of the people who said, you know, the SWAT teams were in their backyard, tapping on the window, checking in to see if they were okay, giving the thumbs up. That is not something that goes away. I think people will relive that experience for a long time. And they had no way of knowing whether that was going to be for 24 hours. Right. You know, but it is amazing. Two guys with two pressure cookers took down a major American city, you mm-hmm. know, they, they yeah. brought it to a grinding halt, you know, and they, they killed and, you know, injured so many people with nothing. And, uh, but, uh, you know, when those pr- pictures were first released, you didn't know where they were, you know, you were like, you know, they could be in Texas, they could be in California, they could be, you know, on their plane to, you know, on a plane to somewhere, you know, in the world, you know, you worried, you worried about that. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure if I was forced to shelter in place, that would be the day that I didn't have any anything to eat or, you know, you could <laughs> thought. You, could, you know what I mean? And I thought about, like, young parents with, like, I used to run out of diapers all the time. Right. You know? What would you, you know, I mean, I'm sure that everybody managed and things like that, but, I, you know... You know, or just you, if you had tried not to tell your kids about what happened, if you right. had kids in like the three to eight year age range where you, you could, if you didn't turn on the news, pretend nothing had happened. If you're sheltered in place, if you can't leave your house for a day, then that gets much, much harder. Yeah. I thought about that. Like I managed not to tell my kids about 9-11 when they were three and five and I never watched the news in front of them and they really didn't know about it till a couple of years later. But that's not true if you're you know, if there's a SWAT team in your backyard. Well, I did I'll... notice a lot of people on Friday afternoon when they when they lifted the shelter-in-place order and they were interviewed on the news later on, they said they had to get their dogs outside, too. So, you know, right. that, that's that's yeah. a lot of people just had to, you know, they had to go get some food, they had to walk their dogs, they had to, you know, just like real life resumed pretty quickly and then, you know, within such a short period of time got all clamped down again. That night, I got an email from from a colleague of mine who is uh, Italian but lives and works in uh, in the United States at the National Geographic Channel in D.C. And he said, this is just the most amazing thing to witness because in many other countries in the world, including my own, we would still be fighting about who was in charge of the investigation. Right. And we certainly wouldn't have found these guys and brought them in. 
agent. So I thought that was also, again, yeah, hats exactly, off to those yeah. special agents in charge. Whatever, yes, exactly. whatever their job description is, they, they did an amazing, amazing job. Well, it is great. I mean, sadly, since 9-11, you know, that you can see that there's been much, there's much greater coordination and all the, all the high-tech communications, I mean, the infrared, you know, he's in the boat. I mean, just all the elements of it were so dramatic and, uh, you know, it's good that it's come to a conclusion, we hope. So. You know, it did, it did actually make me think a lot this weekend about, um, the impact older siblings have on younger siblings, Julie. And if you tried to talk us into some really bad thing like this, would you have really been able to get us on board with the scheme? And Lee and I, I would say no. I don't know what you think. The, well, I, you, Liz, I, I mean, not to make light of it, but you talked us into a radio show. So <laughs> I just, that was your idea. You drove. You drove because back. I'm the special because agent in charge. You were the special. Then there were shared values. And I think that's what you saw here. There were shared values among those brothers. And that they, that's, they had a shared experience, history, and culture. And... And that they, you know, so, so I, I, I totally believe that, that, you know, they were both in it. And while the older one may have been, you know, Tamerlan may have been more, you know, persuasive, um, you know, I, I think that they were, you know, they, they both had that shared experience of being Chechen. The, it was an amazing snapshot of Bostonian culture to the whole five days of drama, you know, from obviously seeing this like famous, meaningful, historic event like the Boston Marathon get so disrupted and yet people rushing in to help and doing the best they can on that moment to the Friday, you know, when everyone's sheltering in place, but still they're allowing the Dunkin' Donuts in Watertown to stay open. Leanne and I did a little texting back and forth about that. Yeah. I was happy to see that Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> come in, stay strong, Dunkin' Donuts, stay strong. And have you ever, you know, have you ever watched like a Scottish film? You know how they have to have subtitles, even though they're speaking English. Yeah. I felt it several times during during the final <laughs> night when they were when they had the police dispatch on and they were talking about the yad and uh, and the top. Um, <laughs> I, I was like. The what on the boat? Uh, I could have used some subtitles uh, um, on the uh, police dispatch. I know. Well, I'm incredibly happy for everyone that um, that at least they don't have to live with the fear that the right. um, that the bombers are still out there. But there's still incredible sadness for the the losses that they did um, sustain at the marathon, and then the the police officer at MIT. I mean, just that is not the kind of job that I imagine you really think you're just going to get. I think the mayor used the term assassinated uh, for the way he was just killed in cold blood. So just a a terrible sadness, I'm sure, still, even as people are celebrating um, the fact that they solved the crime. And, you know, uh, we are not a pro-Red Sox family in general, but, you know... 
That I, Red Sox game. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, for the Red Sox. The Red Sox game was 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 great. Neil Diamond coming out and doing the uh, live. That was fantastic. Was that great. was fantastic. But I would say props to the New York Yankees earlier in the week for also singing Sweet Caroline. Yes. I'm sure they had to totally suck it up, those people. <laughs> and that is only ever going to happen once in your lifetime, or so we hope. Uh, you know, right. There was, a, again, there was a movement on Twitter that the Yankees should wear Red Sox caps. And I'm like, okay, people, let's, <laughs> let's not let's not go that far. But I, <laughs> the Yankees did was absolutely fine. You know, it's, it's true, Liz. I think John Stewart described the relationship between Boston and New York as like bickering siblings. And that's, it's hard for people outside of that rivalry to understand what that gesture, how, how meaningful that gesture was and how hard it must've been for some of those Yankee fans, but clearly how heartfelt it was because, yes. uh, yeah, certainly they understood uh, the people of New York understood, you know, uniquely what that experience was like. Oh, yeah. So. But out on the West Coast, big things were happening, Leon. Yesterday, you had a big day. All right. Nice transition, Jewel. Way to go. <laughs> Happy news. Now we're getting back to our real selves. That's why they call us award winning, the award winning satellite sisters. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was trying to, on a completely different note, uh, I did. I had my first public appearance for Elizabeth the First Wife. I was at the L.A. Times Festival of Books, which is a madhouse. It's the biggest book festival in uh, the country, 500 authors appearing. And I was signing Elizabeth for the first time. And one of my first customers, longtime Satellite Sister listener, Diane Gray from Santa Monica. Thank you, Diane. She brought two, bought two copies. Alice was there. Uh, another longtime Satellite Sister fan, Alice came by, and then my actual Satellite Sister, Liz, came by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And, and pay, paid cash money for hey. some copies of the book, which, as we've already shared on the show, Leon, you had only shared galleys of the book with Sister Julie. The rest right. of the sisters, this is, I like, I literally had to go buy a copy to read your freaking book. <laughs> so... Everybody pays, Liz. <laughs> I know that's your policy. I made that very clear at all the funerals that I've attended this year. No free copies. Everybody pays. <laughs> okay. So, so can I just say? So last night I uh, I started in on this. I'm 123 pages in, Ooh. and um, I know on the back of your book. One of your blurbs is actually from William Shakespeare, which, which, yes. <laughs> which I thought clever. very clever, very clever. Um, the, I mean, there's a Shakespearean theme throughout the whole book. So William Shakespeare called Elizabeth, the first wife, a hit, a very palpable hit. But I got to say, like being, okay, almost halfway through, this book is just jam packed with entertainment. <laughs> it is like so Densely entertaining. Isn't it's, it? It's, it's really, really good. Really, it's, really good. Even better than Helen of Pasadena, which even, was a great read. I, I agree. You have your smart, sensible, yet funny protagonist. You've got the movie star ex-husband. So, of course, I'm casting the actual movie in my head. That's going to mm-hmm. be fantastic when you get to call in actors to cast the role of FX Fahey. You have all these smart-alecky literary illusions, but you don't actually need to be a Shakespearean scholar to get those illusions. Exactly, Liz. It is Shakespeare for the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the Shakespeare you have forgotten since high school, and then a whole bunch that you never knew to begin with, but wrapped up in a wildly entertaining package, like right here on page 98. Uh, you have a series of profiles of Shakespearean power couples throughout yes. the book. 
And I, I enjoyed all of them that I've read so far, but especially Power Couple number three uh, is about the Macbeths. And, uh, you know, describing her and describing him and their relationship history. Uh, but then um, part of your profile of them is why they work. She holds the sexual power and he holds the knife. Turn-ons, joint alienation, partnership in crime. Turn-off, bloody hands, Banquo's ghost. Okay, that really makes me laugh. <laughs> they are the Shakespearean couple most likely to hold office, which... <laughs> <laughs> True. Who they remind you of? The Reagans, the Clintons, the M&Ms, the Jolie Pitts. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is comedy, Leanne. That, Thank you, like, Liz. <laughs> I'm laughing again. Laughing at my own work. Didn't you find Julie like all the way through? You're like, well, was, how did she think that up? <laughs> that was just super funny. It's, it is. It is really deeply entertaining. So that. Um, so I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy it. And you can you can feel free to buy multiple copies to send to all of your friends without even reading it because it's that good. <laughs> yes, it, I, I think that's true. It's a solid hit. You know, you know how sometimes it's a palpable hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Yeah wanted to know you went to this book festival yes. there was the big issue of your the wound on your hand right and were you going to shake people's hands yes. and you had you got some excellent suggestions from <laughs> satellite sisters and chaos chronicle fans leon that were just making me laugh people that said you should put your arm in a sling that that <laughs> was good then you wouldn't have to touch them what did you do right there was also like the bob dole just put a pen in your hand okay so it's always uh, busy um the shakira shake i liked a lot (laughs) just a little shoulder shimmy when you meet people that really really made me laugh um julie even though i got a clean bill of health on the wound slash staph infection i got on my right palm on friday uh from i'm proud to announce i have a new doctor so that's good i have a doctor that's good okay yes all right um so he gave me the clean bill of health. I did put a decoy bandage on. And so uh, I didn't have to wear a bandage on my hand, but I put one on. And so when people came in for the shake, I just held up, you know, talk to the hand. I did that in a, in a gentle way so people could visually see the bandage. And, okay. and, and I tried not to over-explain. Um, but I did have to fend off quite a few shakers, so, so, which is a good problem. But I did do that. Uh, and I was I was happy to be there, happy to have Liz show up, um, happy happy to be sort of moving on because now the the big debut is in two weeks. But last week on the show we mentioned that we don't control Amazon, so we didn't know when the Kindle version was going to be up, but it is up now, available for pre-order. Okay, so unbelievably they listened to the show. <laughs> There's Amazon, whoever Amazon is, and you can now pre-order the Kindle of Elizabeth the First Wife. So for people who were concerned. Wondering if there's an ebook version. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. But then, Julie, big news since last week, you have committed to coming to the Romans opening on May 8th. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. So it's going to be quite the night. I am flying in for this event as a real kickoff for the book book fair uh, for your book sales, Leon. I want to be there. I'm going to. I hopefully introducing you at this big event. And uh, so 
if you know, I think you all should just plan to fly in. That's the answer. <laughs> that is really the answer. Okay? It is midweek. It's a midweek. It's a Wednesday. Uh, uh, but if you're lower. airfares are lower midweek, so I, I say just <laughs> just fly in and come to Romans. That's and if uh, Romans is there, like, isn't it the biggest independent bookstore in California? Maybe yes. in the world. But yeah, no. but There's it's no, just in the world. Yes, <laughs> in the world. That's, that's correct information, no doubt. <laughs> So that is a, what's that date again, Julie? That's the 8th of May? 8th of May. 8th of May. Then if you can't make it in for that because it's midweek and you've got like got a gig or something you need to do, uh, on Sunday, May 19th, over here on the west side of Los Angeles in Brentwood, Sheila and I are hosting at the Diesel Bookstore, which is at the Brentwood Country Mart, which is, like, super cute, worth a trip to L.A. anyway. Sheila and I are hosting an ice cream tasting and book launch for Leon. So oh. if you'd like to come in for a fantastic just weekend in L.A., this this is an adorable bookstore, uh, Diesel, at the Brentwood Country Mart. But isn't that, isn't that the one where they always are taking pictures of Jennifer Garner? Yes. 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 That's so, right. right. So you could have celeb. Leon, do I need to provide ice cream or food? No. Products? No. <laughs> no. You just, I'll take care I mean, of that. I thought I was pretty much upping all the sisters by telling yeah. for your own and now I see, oh, no, Sister Liz, <laughs> Sheila, they're, they're, they're having an ice cream social. Okay. Well, I, ice cream. I well here's the say. thing, Julie. Like right next door to this diesel bookstore is an artisanal ice cream shop called Sweet Rose Creamery. You can look that up online. It is awesome. It's like very high-end artisanal ice cream novelties. I sent Lee in a picture the other day of their ice cream sliders, which is ice cream with a slice of bacon on top of the ice cream and their home-baked rolls. Now, that's just one of the many things we're going to be providing here. It's not just ice cream. It's like artisanal novelties. So you're not going to see this anywhere else. And they are right next door. So it just seemed like the right thing to do. So that is Sunday, May 19th. I forget what time, Leanne, like three o'clock, right? It's at three o'clock. Yeah. And uh, yeah, all the information, like my events, I'm trying to post in as many places as possible. You can find them at chaoschronicles.com at leandolan.com um, and then also on my author page at Facebook. Uh, if you click on the events button, you'll see you'll see all the events scheduled thus far, and I'm trying to keep them updated as I as I can. Yeah, no, but Julie, don't worry. You're just we're going to have some fun at Romans. We'll cook up some stuff there. We got some good giveaways from the Natural Skin Shop. Want me to bring my chafing dish? With no, no. <laughs> I, I know. I meant that metaphorically. Gravy boat. Gravy boat. Um, Well, if you're coming in for the weekend event, I bought a book yesterday at the L.A. Times Festival of Books that I'm actually going to give to Sheila because this is so right up her alley. But this would be some good other activities for you to do while you're in for the weekend. The name of the book is The Spa Less Traveled, and it's Discovering Ethnic Los Angeles One Massage at a Time. Now, that is a good way to approach a girl's weekend, I would say. So it's really they went to every single possible massage therapist around the greater Los Angeles area. And the chapters are Thai, Korean, Japanese, Russian, Hawaiian, Indian, or Chinese massage for a fraction of the price charged at big chain spas. So we know she and Sheila has often talked on Satellite Sisters about how much she loves her Korean day 
spa in Koreatown here in L.A., but I thought she would enjoy. Julie, I know you've been to some real Russian spas in Russia, but there there are plenty of Russian spas here in Los Angeles, which I can hook you up with now. when you're back in town. So, right. uh, you know, on, yeah, that would be good. Just another, another thing to think about for everyone who is coming into town for Leon's various book signings. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm getting excited. I have to say, you know, the, the trip to the hospital that really kind of took me off my game for, yeah. <laughs> for a while, the overwhelming infection and then the antibiotics. Yeah. That, I, I don't know. I was having a hard time focusing, but now I'm back on my game. Um, but yesterday, I have to tell you guys, I had like a Sheila-like experience getting home from the LA Times Festival of Books, just because I decided to take public transportation. And um, why would you take public transportation? You know what? Because it, they were encouraging us to take public transportation, and I actually applaud the theory of public transportation. I take it in other cities, but in LA, we just have this kind of hit or miss system. So the actual public transportation wasn't the problem. That worked like a charm. I got on the Metro. I got into Union Station. Target, who's the big sponsor of the book festival, had shuttles, beautiful shuttle coaches, air conditioned, like running every five seconds from Union Station with you know, thousands of bookgoers on it. That worked like a charm. Door to door, it took me an hour. So, which in LA, even though USC is only 13 miles away, that's, I know what it would have taken me to wait in line to get into the parking garage. So I got there in good shape. I got home. But what happened was I just, I hadn't eaten a lot. And I haven't been eating a lot because of the antibiotics. I've been enjoying the appetite suppression portion of taking <laughs> massive amounts of antibiotics, trying to bank on that. But I, I was sitting on that metro going home, and all I could think about was, I need a pink berry. I need a pink berry. I need a pink berry. It was like I couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything else. So instead of going to my stop, which is only about a mile from my house, I was going to walk home from uh, the gold line. I, I got off at an earlier stop, which was closer to the pink berry in Old Town, Pasadena. And now it's, it was a really hot day. So it's now like 89 degrees in Pasadena. And it's about 4 o'clock when I get home. And I, I haven't eaten anything since like 9. And so I... I schlep over to the Pinkberry, and there is a freaking line outside the door. I don't know what, I don't know why. That shop has been empty, and I could just suss, you know, when you can tell, like, this line is not moving. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, you can look behind the counter and you go, this is a lost cause. So I was like, oh, my God, all I wanted was that frozen yogurt. But fortunately, there's another frozen yogurt store, two doors up. So then i like, oh, I, I'm starting to feel faint, you know, in that way, yeah, Sheila. this really does sound like Sheila. As I know. <laughs> like, the, I can see you've got that caged animal look. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. I'm like, I can't stand in this line. This is going to take forever. I'm going over to 21 Choices, and I've got, like, my backpack and my hat on, and, you know, I'm got my cute dress on and I'm like schlepping through. I mean, it is a major city. It's Pasadena, but I might as well have been on the outback. I mean, I'm passing one restaurant after another just to get to the frozen yogurt shop. And then I go get to 21 Choices. And not only is there a line out the door, it is around the corner. Apparently everyone in Los Angeles wanted frozen yogurt yesterday afternoon. And I think I can't wait in that line. I'm going to faint. So I end up like throwing myself on the mercy of like the Ralph's deli counter on the way. <laughs> what, are just taking some free samples? What were you getting? <laughs> What'd you go for? I, like, I, I don't know why I ordered like a turkey panini. So then the girl, the woman, you know, I hate when like workers talk to each other. I just can't stand it. I'm, <laughs> 
I'm like, you're working at a deli counter. Let's move. That's the whole point of deli, that it's fast. And so it's like taking forever for the panini to heat up. And finally I'm like, just give me the panini. (laughs) So you ate a cold panini? Half cold, Julie. Half melted panini. Like I That does not sound refreshing at all. It's not yogurt. I just I was like shoving it in my mouth and walking home. I got home. I immediately just had to like take off my underpants and lie down. I get. <laughs> I was like, my God, what is wrong with me? Whew, I just my my husband found me like asleep at six thirty at night. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I tried to get frozen yogurt and then I ate a panini and then I fell asleep. <laughs> Well, maybe you should blame the antibiotics. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know there have been a lot of comments at the Satellite Sisters Facebook group today because there was there's a picture posted of you at your booth yesterday. Yeah. And you're you're looking very good in the photo, Liam. So the appetite suppressant. No, it was so good. I was like, when I saw that, I was a little bit jealous. I, I was like, I want some of those IV fluids that Leanne's been taking. She looks like she's 15 in that picture. You know what? The antibiotics, they destroy your insides, but they make your skin look really good. <laughs> I, you know, that's wow. They really do. They, my skin looks fantastic. The rest of me is a mess. But <laughs> And as we know, it was a very poorly taken photo because I did it on my iPhone. So, it, you know, but that is an unretouched version of what you really really liked so, looked right. like so that's pretty good the uh oh man okay well you're better today you're uh, I, I, yeah i must just more got my head got my head got my head in the game i don't know i don't know i just I, so i hope you just keep eating on a regular basis because that i mean we have sheila already in the family i know two of you doing that i was angry i was angry and desperate uh, <laughs> wandering through a major metropolitan city. Oh, crazy. Well, Sheila hasn't yet confirmed the co-hosting of the Ice Cream Social on May 19th, but I'm assuming because it's at the Brentwood Country Mart where there are major celeb sightings on, on a regular uh, basis that, that I can pretty much count on her to show up for that. But, yeah, she's in. She, yeah. I talked to her okay. Friday. Okay. I, briefed, I briefed her Friday. <laughs> when she heard Ice Cream Country Mart, she was in. <laughs> There was a look of panic, like, do I have to pay for the ice cream? I said, no, you don't have to pay. Liz is is paying. We could have a Pinkberry bar at Roman's if you think that would work. Maybe, I I know I'm certainly going to provide you with one before the book signing, just to sort of smooth you out, you know? And I, the irony, of course, is I've been eating yogurt like a crazy person because of the probiotics after the, you know, the antibiotics have destroyed every piece of bacteria in my body. So I'll just leave it at that. So I've been eating yogurt like three meals a day. So it's not like I haven't had a lot of yogurt lately. Well, speaking of probiotics, you sent me an email the other day that you were watching Dr. Oz. <laughs> Dr. Oz is very anti-statin, and my doctor just put me on statins. Well, so- there's a, there were some doctors on that were anti statin he was very skeptical but i thought you should tune in but at liz as the problem is now i don't recall a single thing said on that show so 
<laughs> I don't. I was. That was like. I, that was. I think the day I had to turn off the John King apologia on CNN. So I just switched over to Doctor Oz, and he had two like controversial anti-statin doctors okay. on. So I don't want to spread any bad medical information. <laughs> so. Okay. Thanks for the heads up, though. I can just Google yeah. that. I can, can Google that. I will refer to Doctor Google and see what Doctor Google has to say. Uh, all right, girls. Anything else we need to cover this week? What a week. Emotional roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Hang in there, Boston. Uh, right. Looks like you're back on your feet. Uh, hey, I'd like to just say a shout out because, you know, while the whole situation in Boston was going on, there was a terrible industrial accident in West Texas yeah. where, the, uh, where, I mean, this fertilizer plant blew up and it destroyed 20% of the city. And the first, you know, the first responders, this volunteer firefighters, they were the ones that went to the fire at the fertilizer plant, and they were the ones that were killed. But this is this is a town that um, is made up of Czech immigrants, not to be confused with Chechens. Chechens. In fact, um, it's right off the major highway that you take when you drive from Dallas to Austin. Um, Interstate 35. They have a very famous place called the Czech Stop, which is a gas station stop where they sell um, uh, Czech pastries in them. And so people that drive between Dallas and Austin, a lot of people tend to fill up for gas at the Czech Stop because of because of these great um, kolache pastries that they have there. And so I know that one of the people that came to pay their respects to the tremendous loss in this uh, in this uh, little town was um, the Czech ambassador uh, to the United oh. because because of the heritage there. But uh, mm. really was a terrible situation. And to all the volunteers in that town, you know, there was a nursing home right next to this fertilizer plant, and how they got those hundred patients out of the nursing home. They were all safe. You know, before before more damage was done, it's amazing. You know, again, I was thinking of you know my our experience with our dad being in a nursing home and just knowing how frail you know the patients right. are and having to move them and how confusing and, um, and and what care they would have to take. So it was a very dramatic and sad story in in that in the town of West Texas this week. So keep them in your prayers this right. week. Right. Right. And once again, a reminder, those first responders are incredibly awesome. I noticed that, uh, to just bring it back to ice cream novelties, that, because <laughs> we promised we would end on a high note, that, okay. that, no, 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 it's good. Ben and Jerry's Boston, did you see that they announced that this weekend all first responders get a free cone? Oh, right. that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Just their little way of saying thank you. You know, so, um, yeah, those people do things that are incredibly hard. And, you know, when I saw some of them on the news from West Texas, and these are like volunteer people, right. too. Yeah. Yeah, it just two is. Bro- two brothers that went in, you know, they were they worked together as volunteer firemen uh, in West Texas. So. Oh, man. That oh. is sad. All right. Well, um, have a safe week, everyone. Yes. Thanks, um, Liz. You know, enjoy your lives. Enjoy each other. And uh, don't forget, call your satellite system.